You're listening to the Liberty News Radio Network, and this is the Political Cesspool. The Political Cesspool, known across the South and worldwide as the South's foremost populist conservative radio program. And here to guide you through the murky waters of the Political Cesspool is your host, James Edwards. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to tonight's live broadcast. I'm your host, James Edwards. This Saturday evening, February the 2nd, you can hear the hustle and bustle as we broadcast live from Orlando, Florida tonight. Fantastic event. We've been here for a couple of days, still a couple of days to come, and we're picking up stories every minute. Uh, Big show tonight. This was the show we put off last week to kind of let it develop a little bit more, and we've got an all-star cast for you this evening, coming up in the second hour tonight, uh, Peter Brimelow of VDare.com. But first, not one, but two fantastic congressmen, both named Steve. Steve King uh, from the state of Iowa is with us to be soon joined by Representative Steve Stockman of Texas. And we are talking about that all-important situation or constitutional crisis. What is it? At the Texas border. Uh, let's get things started right now. Congressman, how are you doing tonight? Great to have you back. Great to have you back in person, just a couple of feet away. And it's really good to be in person with you, James. And we've done a lot of, we've done a lot of programs along the way, uh, most of them from uh, my little studio in my home down to your studio where you are. And uh, now here we are at the conference together at eye to eye, and I get to meet your family, and, and we get to exchange a lot of information from uh, the, the good speakers that are here at this conference and the ones that we'll hear again tomorrow. That's exactly right. And we did have a fantastic dinner last night uh red meat of course and uh, we ate it well and uh, had the opportunity to sit down with your wife and uh, you with mine and, and my children so it's been a wonderful time of fellowship in addition to getting down to some important issues none more important though uh, than what's taking place on the border right now and i guess to set the stage i don't know if anybody would be unfamiliar with this but the cliff's notes version would be that the supreme court uh, in a five to four ruling maybe surprisingly maybe unsurprisingly kind of ruled in favor of the biden administration and uh greg abbott said he was not going to obey that order uh, break it down for us congressman well i certainly support greg abbott's decision and uh, some of this took too long for it to happen but but when we when we finally got greg abbott's decision that they're going to secure the border uh, that they put concertina wire up along there. They had those floating barriers out there, too. And um, and the Biden administration ordered that they be uh, sunk, been deflated and sunk, and that uh, they went down and already cut some of the wire here some weeks ago. And so now we're in this place where um, the, the Supreme Court has apparently, and, and I don't understand the, the rationale of this except for SB 1070, the decision that was made back in Arizona's law, that the, the states can't even mirror federal immigration law. They can't even mirror it. And that must have been the stare decisis that they used when they made that decision. And so here's what I would say is that we've got 25 state governors that have said we will support Texas and we'll help secure the border and we'll send our National Guard down there to do it. And I say, that's great. Send them all down there and secure that border, the whole border, if you can do it. Um, but my question I have is that are, are they defending the concertina wire and the border? And so if that's the case, then which way do they face? Do they face north against <laughs> the people Biden would send against our National Guard? Or do they face south to secure the border? Every other one would be fine. One, one way, one the other. Recapping one more time, the Supreme Court ruled that the federal government 
can remove razor wire erected on the U.S.-Mexico border by Texas law enforcement, which government argued, uh, which the government argued, the federal government, that is, illegally pre- prevented them from managing the border. The 5-4 decision vacated an appeals court ruling uh, last month that allowed the wire to stay amid continued legal standoff over border jurisdiction. Now, this is what Governor Abbott said in his uh, letter seen and read around the world now. Uh, this was the closing paragraph, uh, which I think was most telling. The failure of the Biden administration to fulfill the duties imposed by Article uh, 4, Section 4, has triggered Article 1, Section 10, Clause 3, which reserves to this state the right to self-defense. For these reasons, I have already declared an invasion under Article 1, Section 10, Clause 3, to invoke Texas's constitutional uh, authority to defend and protect itself. The authority is the supreme law of the land. Abbott writes, and supersedes any federal statutes to the contrary. The Texas National Guard, the Texas Department of Public Safety, and other Texas personnel are acting on that authority as well as the state to secure the Texas border. So people would argue this is a constitutional crisis in the brewing. Where do you land? I say it's a constitutional crisis, and it's a willful invasion, and it's an action on the policy that's permeated from the President of the United States, Joe Biden. And when I think back, they impeached Donald Trump because of a phone call to a foreign leader (laughs) because they want to investigate something that Joe Biden has confessed to in public video, and here we have it, and Joe Biden's still president, and Mayorkas is still the director. I I think this is outrageous. I, I mean... I used the word treason last night in a private conversation. I don't know if that terms is anything but right. In fact, it sounds strong to us for using it. But if you're undermining the United States of America, if you're opening up and destroying the sovereignty of the country, if you don't have a border, you're not a sovereign nation, and and advertising to bring in millions of people that now has run over 10 million, 12 million, maybe more, that's the ones we counted, let alone those, the gotaways. And the gotaways are multiply them times four or 10 for that matter. So when you put that all together, no, there is an invasion. And, by the way, the Constitution of the United States requires that the federal government provide to protect us against invasion, protect the states from invasion. Instead, they're inviting the invasion. So put the guard down there, and if push comes to shove, and the commander-in-chief orders that guard to disperse, I think instead they'll hold their ground. And I think if they have to face federal people in uniform, I think that I think that they will hold them off. And the people that are taking orders from our commander in chief will not follow them out if it means anything violent down there on that border against our own people. A lot of good people in this country, although it is hard to underestimate the ignorance of a lot of people (laughs) when it comes to very basic things in terms of civics and government. So a lot of people would naturally ask, and this isn't a a, a question that only the ignorant would ask. This is an interesting question. It's a legitimate question. Who is is in charge of securing the international border, the federal government of the states? Abbott answered uh, very clearly in his letter who he believes uh, the uh, has, the, has the control there. You wrote this very powerful statement from Steve King here uh, a couple of days ago uh, on Twitter. Now, this is actually from January the 28th. 25 state governors will send their National Guard troops to support Texas in defense of the border. Will they be facing north or south? That's the question you just mm-hmm. asked. Bring it, Biden. Stand strong, guardsmen. If Biden sends troops to cut the wire, meet force with force, you write. Guardsmen and federal troops all took an oath to defend the Constitution against all enemies, foreign and domestic. Biden's support for the invasion of 10 million foreign nationals is proof that certain uh, proof certain that Biden is a domestic enemy of the United States. That's powerful yep. <laughs> statement, Congressman. His troops have no duty to use force in promotion of the invasion, and they will not even under orders from the commander in chief. They will not fire on their fellow countrymen. Stop the invasion. Save our nation. 
I said that better when I wrote it than I did when I did the interview just a few minutes ago here, James. <laughs> uh, but I had a chance to think it over, and that's pretty much the composite of how I would describe that. And, and when you think about things that have happened in, in history, the dramatic events in history, when you, when you give people orders to do something that they know is wrong, first of all, uh, when they're violating the Constitution, there's nobody that wearing a uniform that took an oath that has to accept and follow an unconstitutional order. The President of the United States takes an oath to take care that the, that the laws be faithfully executed. And instead, he's executing the law. And, and in, in his open borders plan that's there, all of that is in violation of his oath. And Congress writes the laws. It's his job to take care that the laws are faithfully executed. He takes the oath to do that, and he's surely violating that oath. And I don't think he ever had any intention of taking care that those laws would be faithfully executed. So uh, when he ignored the, when he reversed the executive orders that Donald Trump wrote in the early time of his presidency, the ones that worked, not good enough for me, but it worked better than anything we'd seen in the recent history, such as the Remain in Mexico policy and was it Title 42, if I'm not mistaken. Um, those were good policies. And they were working, and they were moving things in the right direction, slowing down the illegal traffic. But uh, now Biden reversed all of that and put the welcome wagon up all the way down south of the Panama Canal and the other side of the Darien Gap and clear over to Colombia and, and, and Ecuador, for that matter. That's the path that we people We were talking come. about the Chinese last night at dinner. The China, Where are the Chinese coming from? You answered quite uh, <laughs> interestingly from China. <laughs> I had to razz James a little bit when he asked that question. Where do these Chinese come from? And so, Well, China. But uh, it's a willful act on the part of China, too. They're sending their people across over here with a, with a they're, they're showing them a video and giving them maps and, and how to get into the get into the United States, landing in Ecuador, going through Colombia, uh, taking a boat across the straits over to the, the, the Darien Gap, and then walking up through that dangerous area of the Darien Gap. And and I, I will say that Michael Yan has been covering that from the Darien Gap for months now, and he's perhaps our best foreign correspondent, our war correspondent. He goes into a lot of the dangerous places in the world, and not only has he said he's seeing the Chinese pour through there, and these are military-age Chinese men, at least by the statistics that they provide, 89% of them are military-age Chinese men. And um, he said that not only is that, but there's reports. I don't know if it was eyes on for Michael Yan, but he reported that these Chinese are drinking chicken blood right out of the neck. And that's a, that's a symbol of the special forces of Chinese when they accomplish a mission. That's one of the ways that they more or less celebrate their event. Of course, and, if, if, that, if that was the only problem we had coming over there, that'd be, that'd be one. But uh, that's just one of many and uh, not... <laughs> Not even nearly the biggest. I mean, the biggest. And, it, you know, we were, I, I, I say joking, perhaps half joking. I mean, when was the last time you saw one of these, you know, poor migrant families, you know, father, mother, children coming over? I, presumably it happens. But uh, a lot of military fighting age men coming over. You're disproportionately you know, so. As far as the Chinese are concerned, yes and absolutely yes. There's hardly any Chinese women coming along with them and no kids. Um, and when you look at some of those, you do see some families sprinkling through that. But even still, we emptied out Mexico. The Mexican <laughs> invitation, you know, we had such an invitation there. They emptied out whole towns in southern Mexico just to bring people into the packing plants in Iowa. And, uh, and so then... And I was, wow. Yeah, oh, whole towns down there of working-age men disappeared. And uh, so, and, and I, of course, I, that's my neighborhood. I, was, I live right in between two big packing plant towns, and so we're familiar with that. And then uh, I remember sitting in Mexico City with the, with the Mexican government's um, cabinet, and I believe it was the Minister of the Interior who told me, this would be about, oh, eight or nine years ago, 
Um, he said, you won't be able to get your labor out of Mexico much longer because the the Mexican birth rate has gone down now to about 2.6 uh, babies per woman. And uh, that's just a little above the replacement rate, but it's not the first surplus labor-producing one. Labor is going to come from elsewhere like Somalia, All right, China. Let's hold right there. Interesting point, important point, but we have another congressman joining us right now from the state of Texas. Steve Stockman is with us. Steve and Steve now on the line, King and Stockman. And I, I said last night, we at this moment have a better contingent of United States congressmen on this program than they do in all of Washington. Uh, <laughs> Steve Stockman, welcome back to the show. How are you doing tonight? Doing great. Uh, Steve is the king. <laughs> he, he, the ubiquitous Steve Stockman. You're everywhere all the time. You show up when we don't expect you. And uh, you've been on. I, I, not even knowing that Stockman was even the country. <laughs> <laughs> well, I knew where well, Steve you know, was. I, I'll share with house... you. Well, I don't, I don't know. I, I don't want to violate You there? Go ahead. No, you go ahead, No, I'm just saying I knew where Steve was on the House floor because he's the guy with all the arrows in his back from Republicans. <laughs> Steve Stockman, you go ahead. <laughs> yes, we're here. Do you hear me? Uh-oh. Yeah, no, go ahead. Oh, no, I just said uh, I knew where Steve King was because I looked on the floor to see where all the arrows were on his back from all the Republicans taking hits on him. <laughs> He's a true patriot. You're known by your enemies. Anyhow, go ahead. Well, you know, Steve, I, I would tell you that uh, we were joking about this sometime here over the last day or two, and I'm not sure who was all in the conversation. Keeps cutting out. Arrows in my back. My staff went together and they, they gathered all of these negative quotes they dumped on me and put them on a little poster with these um, what would it be thumbnail <laughs> pictures on there, yeah. with the link to the quote they used to attack me. And uh, so they handed me this poster, and the title of the poster was The Unforgiven. <laughs> and uh, if you look at that poster today, there are a good number of them bit the dust. So that would be uh, maybe McCarthy and Liz Cheney would be part of that list. Well, I'll tell you, you both have... Tall tales. I mean, I say tall tales. It sounds like something that would be a tall tale, except it's all too true and all too tragic. I mean, and especially, you know, well, I say especially, but both of you. I mean, Steve King, your story, the story of your uh, trials and tribulations post-2016, 2016 and, and on especially. And then, of course, uh, Steve Stockman, who was in Congress before and then again during your tenure, uh, yes. Steve King, and uh, ran into <laughs> Hornet's Nest both times. But, uh, Steve, uh, anyway... It, Stop. I, I, this is going to be difficult. Uh, Steve S. and Steve K. Steve Stockman, uh, you are down in Texas. So having you on for this particular conversation I thought was uh, essential and key. Uh, some people would say you have the uh, your ear to the ground on this, but I think the ground comes up to your ear. But um, on a situation like this, what is going on? What is the resolve of the people in Texas on this issue? Well, by the way, you know, we're criticized as, as opposing and saying we're making up the a replacement theory also said that Antifa's false, you know. Uh, don't believe your lying eyes. But to show you that uh, Biden doesn't like certain immigrants, and I'll tell you the ones he doesn't like, and you can put the common denominator. He sent back the Cubans, Nicaraguas, and Venezuelans. Now, why do you think he doesn't like those guys in the country? Because they're not voting for communism or socialism. And, and in Venezuela, so much they've lost so much weight from the communists taking over. It's a nation number one in oil and number two in gold. It used to be the number one in the, uh, all of it, South America in terms of wealth. They drove people so poor that they now lost a, a, about 2.2 kilos. 
each person. That's on average. And we're looking at here in Houston, uh, we're, we're inundated. It is, we're, we're full. They're inundating the, uh, our schools, our uh, hospitals. And, and now after, uh, our governor blocked everyone, we, uh, we now have decreased the, the border crossings dramatically, and now uh, the number one places are Arizona and California. I don't know if you guys are picking me up or not. Well, we, I'm picking you up, Steve, and now we've got a, a little a little bit of confusion going on here in our in our makeshift studio. But um, um, we can we can carry this on here while James is taking care of the negotiations. Okay, and I'm not sure what's going to happen. Well, <laughs> Steve, I, it is a pretty crazy I, thing. I'm watching facial expressions and body language here, and uh, it looks like he reclaimed his spot at the studio, uh, well, held his I, ground, I, but I been, uh, we've been pushed hard by about three. Go ahead. Yeah. Well, Steve, I can tell you this: you you uh, on immigration. Have been fantastic now i don't know how much our our host has heard but uh we here in texas are absolutely inundated immigrants and the purpose illegal immigrants and the purpose is to change a state into a democrat state there is no question about it and if you change texas to a democrat state by the way obama worked on this when i was in office years ago and i brought it up to my colleagues he in my county which is harris which is houston uh, he, Obama spent eight eight point eight million dollars registering Democrats, and he was at that time. I wrote him a letter, Steve. I don't know if you're aware of this, but I wrote a letter complaining that he was dumping illegal immigrants into my district, including criminals. And I repeatedly asked him for explanation. Of course, you know, Obama doesn't need a Congress or a Senate; just a phone and a pen. And, what we uh, learned about Obama and what we learned about Obama is that uh, he would even spout the Constitution and claim that, say, for example, he admitted 22 times on, on video and television that it was unconstitutional for him to grant any status for the Dreamers. And uh, he, well, he quoted the Constitution. He was right. But then he went ahead and did it anyway, even though he's clearly on record knowing that the Dreamers were unconstitutional. And Obama was the fellow that would do what he could get away with. And uh, he, he accumulated power by doing that. And one of the ways I've defined power is that's whatever you can successfully assert. Uh, otherwise, there can be rules, regulations, constitution, all. But if you can successfully assert power, uh, then then you've got that power. And Obama took it. He successfully asserted it. And he undermined the rule of law. And he set the pattern for opening the borders up. And now we yeah, have Biden yeah, on steroids. Steve, he, well, he's, he's, Biden is, is, you know, uh, as you, I think we both agree, is Obama's third term. And he's, he now learned he didn't get punished for breaking the Constitution. He gave him a green light, and now he's doing it in spades. And uh, it's alarming. I, I happen to be watching the fall of Rome, and the parallels of that are so alarming, uh, what's going on in our country, where we don't have borders anymore. Basically, Rome, Rome lost their borders. And uh, we, we, we can't have a country without borders. That's just insane. And, Gentlemen, uh, let me ask this uh Pardon the interruption, Steve, but a, a question to both of you before we come up on this first break. And we're skipping the floater breaks. We're going to take the bottom of the hour break in just a couple of minutes. Uh, but legislatively speaking here, let, let's shift gears to this. What should the House GOP be doing right now? Well, I would have just held out with them and, and said there will be no CR, there will be no funding, we'll have a government shutdown until such time as this border is under control and enforced. And uh, I think the public would have supported that. 
But there were too many squishy Republicans that didn't hold their ground on that. Uh, and so that that would have been the best they could do with the tools they have today, in my opinion. Uh, Steve Stockman, I, 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 go ahead. Go ahead. Well, I have to tell you, I was there for both government shutdowns. I hope I take some credit for it, as Steve was too. <laughs> and, and the thing is, there's a myth in the caucus, Republican caucus, that if we shut the government down, it takes a hit. We don't take. We never took a hit. There's no proof of that. We've always won our elections, and Reagan shut it down a lot. And it's just it's a, a misnomer, and it's perpetuated by the left. You know, well, we're Steve, going to uh, it reminds me. <laughs> It, see, it reminds me of when uh, we were facing one of those government shutdowns, I think maybe in 2013, and John Boehner is telling us all, Republicans always lose, Republicans always lose in a shutdown. Well, Dana Rohrbacher pointed out that they didn't lose back in the shutdown in 98, and we didn't lose in the shutdown in 2013, but Boehner was adamant that we would lose, and so I borrowed a line from Mark Twain, which she said, once a cat sits on a hot stove lid, he'll never sit on another hot stove lid again. Of course, he'll never sit on a cold one either. <laughs> Touche. Now, uh, well, I'll tell you what, they won't lose if they go to bat on the border either. We'll see what happens. But uh, so much, I've got so many notes, so much to uncover uh, as this program continues tonight. But, Steve uh, Stockman, I want to ask you this. What is the pulse of Texas right now? What is the average Texas citizen thinking about this issue, which is continuing? i got to admit, I'm a little surprised it hasn't been resolved right now. I thought... I thought it would be a performative defiance by Governor Abbott, who would say, you know, he fought the good fight, but got to obey the courts, got to obey uh, the federal government. That has not happened yet. And so we're now, you know, nearing two weeks into this. What is the what is the average Texas citizen in your estimation, Steve Stockman? Well, I, I on think this? my I, I covered this a little bit. My phone cut out. Uh, Abbott is sticking by. In fact, thankfully for other governors across the country, they're sending their people down. Even if he nationalized our National Guard, there's a bunch of other ones you'd have to nationalize. And we, uh, when I say we, I'm talking about the the Republican uh, governor, has cut down the illegal immigration so bad now. Excuse me. We went from number one to now number three, and most of the population now has shifted to Arizona and California in terms of crossing. And we, they put up, as you saw, the, the uh, freight freight boxes and, and razor wire, and they just stood on the other side of, the, of those razor wires and didn't come over. And uh, it works. And, the, and for Biden to say he needs more power is just uh, so ridiculous. And we're well, proud Steve, of what we're s- doing in Texas. Go ahead. When you, when you said nationalize the National Guard, I presume <clears> you're saying <throat> that for the president to take control of all the National Guards that might otherwise be under the command of their governor. Is that correct? Correct. And he would have to do each state. So, and, you know, and so like... my, my, my point is that, in that if push comes to shove and the National Guard, I'll just ask you the National Guard in Texas, if push came to shove and they had to decide whether they were going to take orders from Biden or from Governor Abbott, which way would that go? Oh, I, I think that would be an interesting conversation, <laughs> but I think, I think uh, I don't know. You know, to be honest with you, I think, uh, I think that we'd be torn, but Texans are pretty independent, as you know. And uh, we're, we're already ticked off. I mean, there's a big movement in Texas to peel off um, because at one point, you know, we were our own country. In fact, we had an embassy in, in Britain. So I don't know. That's a good question. That'd be definitely a constitutional crisis. 
But there is something to be said there. If something like this was going to kick off again, Texas is the logical place for it to happen. It's in the blood. Well, we got more guns than people. In fact, we got a bumper sticker that says, if you know how many guns you have, you need to go get more guns. <laughs> uh, I, I would just I'll speculate this. That I, I think if push comes to shove, you're going to see the National Guard stick with their governors rather than this president, because this president is conducting himself in a treasonous fashion to tear up down the United States of America. It's willful. It's not accidental. It's a willful plan. And these people know it. And that's why there's 25 governors that stood up and said, okay, we're going to be helped. This is where the rubber meets the road. And we're coming up on a break. We've got to take a break and, and move locations here at the hotel. But you're sitting here. Everybody with a computer is a pundit. Everybody with a microphone is a commentator. You know, it doesn't. Everybody with a cell phone now. We've got two United States congressmen who are going to weigh in on where this thing is realistically going to go. Now, I know neither are oracles. They're both pretty smart guys. <laughs> but uh, is this something that's just going to dissipate? Is this going to be something where Biden just kind of forgets about it? Or is Bush going to come to shove? We're going to take a break. We're going to be back with Congressman Steve King of Iowa, Congressman Steve Stockman of Texas. Stay tuned. We're back in five minutes. Listening to Liberty News Radio. USA News, I'm Laura Winters. This morning, America strikes back, but there is a mixed response. The Pentagon finally launching strikes and at least 85 targets in Iraq and Syria in response to Iran-backed proxy forces using a drone a week ago to attack one of our bases, killing three U.S. soldiers and injuring dozens more. Now, Speaker of the House Mike Johnson, Republican Louisiana, saying in a statement, unfortunately, the administration waited for a week and telegraphed to the world, including to Iran, the nature of our response. Now, the bodies of all three sergeants, two women ages 23 and 24, both from Georgia, and one man who was 46, flown back to Dover Air Force Base in Delaware, President Biden, First Lady Jill Biden, and Defense Secretary Lloyd Austin on hand for the somber ceremony. In other news, the president is scheduled to visit California and Nevada over the weekend. Here's USA's John Schaefer. The president plans to be in Los Angeles Saturday, where he will meet with black leaders in the entertainment industry as they prepare for the Grammy Awards. His campaign intends to air ads during the Grammys, focusing on abortion rights. Following that, the president and the first lady will travel to Las Vegas on Sunday. That's ahead of Nevada's Democratic presidential primary on Tuesday. In Las Vegas, I'm John Schaefer. And Bruce Springsteen paying tribute to his mother, Adele Springsteen, who passed away at the age of 98. On his Instagram page, Springsteen posting a video of himself and his mom dancing to Glenn Miller's In the Mood. And he listed the dates of her birth and death in the caption. Now, back in 2021, Springsteen said that his mother had Alzheimer's disease and she could no longer speak or stand. This is USA News.
Attention timeshare owners. Tired of the financial stress? Were you misled by the salesperson? Don't or can't use your timeshare anymore? If any of these apply to you, then you may qualify for timeshare cancellation and get the relief you need now. Timeshare Defense Attorneys is the number one affordable fixed fee legal solution in the country with an A-plus Better Business Bureau rating. That's certainly better than my grades. They even offer a 100% client satisfaction guarantee. Let one of their experienced lawyers evaluate your case and explain the problem. If they take you as a client, they'll work on your case until it's resolved in your favor. Guaranteed. Expect great service and a close working relationship with your lawyer, keeping you informed every step of the way. Protecting your rights, interests, and even your credit. It's that simple. Even a kid like me can understand it. The consultation is free. Call today. 800-875-1853. 800-875-1853. That's 800-875-1853. The Honorable Cause of Free South is a collection of 12 essays written by Southern Nationalist authors. The book explores topics such as what is the Southern nation, what is Southern nationalism, and how can we achieve a free and independent Dixie. The Honorable Cause answers questions on our own terms. The book invites readers to understand for themselves why a free and independent Dixie is both preferable and possible. The book pulls in some of the biggest producers of pro-South content, including James Edwards, the host and creator of The Political Cesspool, and Wilson Smith, author of Charlottesville Untold, Arkansas congressional candidate and activist Neil Kumar, host and creator of the Dissident Mama podcast, Rebecca Dillingham, author of A Walk in the Park, My Charlottesville Story, Identity Dixie's Patrick Martin, and yours truly, Michael Hill, founder and president of the League of the South, as well as several other authors. The Honorable Cause is available now at Amazon.com. Hey there, TPC family. This is James Edwards, your host of The Political Cesspool. Folks, I want you to subscribe to the American Free Press, America's last real newspaper. Against all odds, AFP has and continues to publish a populist, independent print newspaper with an unparalleled track record. Founded by a dedicated group of experienced patriots, AFP pulls no punches and tackles the most controversial and pressing issues facing America from an America First perspective. I've worked with the American Free Press since even before the beginning of TPC. Now that's something. You can subscribe to the print edition by visiting AmericanFreePress.net today or simply pick up a handy digital edition subscription. However you do it, subscribe to the American Free Press, America's last real newspaper, by visiting AmericanFreePress.net or by calling 1-88-699-NEWS, AmericanFreePress.net. And we're back uh, with our esteemed guests, United States Congressmen, respectively, Steve King and uh, Steve Stockman. Now, the King has to go ro- walk the red carpet here in just a few minutes. No, really. Going to do, be doing a red carpet interview in just a few minutes, uh, and uh, Steve Stockman will be staying with us for the remainder of the hour. Uh, but the question I was posing, gentlemen, before the break was, look, everybody is uh, an armchair expert. 
you two actually have been members of the United States Congress. How do you see this playing out? Uh, Steve King first. Well, I'd say that uh, I think this is going to get more and more intense. At this point, people didn't expect Governor Abbott to go this far. You thought that he was going to pull back at an end and reach some kind of an impasse. He had his chance to say, okay, I'm going to honor the Supreme Court. He said, I'm not going to, and he made his constitutional points as to why. So he's dug in now. And uh, he's dug in. He's got 25 governors that back him on this. I think the pressure goes up in Texas. And as, as Steve Stockman just said, it's moved the illegal immigration over into Arizona and California and New Mexico, I presume, although I didn't hear that. Uh, so they, he's got a real good chance to secure, reasonably secure, I have put that clause in there, reasonably secure the, the, the border between Texas and Mexico. And uh, for me, I'm ready, I welcome this crisis because we've been watching this dribble go through, not just a dribble, but uh, I remember when I was sitting on the Judiciary Committee and, and a former rank, ranking member uh, there on another subcommittee, we had testimony from the Border Patrol, and then they said that they had, they had, they had brought through a, 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 million, a million immigrants coming into the country that they'd interdicted, and they picked up 25% of them. Uh, so multiply that times four. That was four million back then by their numbers, and they were lowballed. I liked what you said just then. You welcome uh, the crisis, and I know what you mean by that. Someone had just put, uh, yes, Liz, to your to your question. Uh, someone had put it. Uh, was giving a quote in an article that I'd read recently. Is that they don't fear the bomb going off; they fear the bomb not going off. And by that, what we're talking about in con- in this context is. This is going to have to be a crisis that is resolved. Maintaining the status quo, uh, leaving this an open-ended problem uh, where you continue to continue continue to have the borders penetrated by an increasing number of illegal aliens, uh, that is not a resolution. We're afraid that there won't be a resolution. This needs to be a resolution. Steve Stockman, uh, are you surprised that Joe Biden has not nationalized the Texas Guard yet? Well, I, I think that they don't want that to become an issue in the campaign. They want abortion to be the issue, and they're going to try to ignore it. If he mm. nationalized it, it'd have every national news media down here watching for the standoff and the confrontation. So I think Joe's going to back down, or Obama's going to back down, and wait for the election to come. They only got eight months, really, <laughs> to prove themselves. But think about this. Put this in context for a second. They got uh, of the, they, there's going to be more than 12 million people illegally come to this country. That's bigger than many states, including Ohio. There's a lot of people coming across. You got to understand, 65 years the Ellis Island was open. It was 12 million people. We have more coming across in his tenure than all of Ellis Island. And let me add this to it: When Ellis Island, you came here, if you were sick with some disease, you got kicked back. If you were a communist or a Marxist, you got kicked out of here. You know, I, I advocate that we follow the rules of Ellis Island. And people forget it was General Eisenhower, the one that won credit with winning World War II, who did Operation Wetback, who sent back many illegal immigrants. It's not unprecedented to do that. And to call Trump a racist for suggesting it is over the top. We need to protect this country. Without borders, we're not a country. And you know, Steve, uh, I made a trip to Ellis Island. I made the trip to Ellis Island and um, was guided there by um, some of the top uh, national park officers that gave a terrific tour. We did an immigration hearing at Ellis Island in the Great Hall. And as I, I sat there as ranking member of the Immigration Committee, as a matter of fact, um, uh, that was waiting for the meeting to get started. People were filling in the seats to observe. 
That was after the tour. And I had an, an agent uh, come to me, a National Park Service fellow come to me, and uh, handed me a scroll. And um, I unrolled the scroll, and I read it. He didn't tell me what it was. It was the ship's manifest for my grandmother. And now I know the wow. date she came in and the ship she was in on. And uh, now I've been able to trace it back pretty close to where she came from in Germany. But what you say is completely right. They had a hook. They'd pull your eyelid back to see if you had a, some kind of a eye, eye disease. A little white spot on your eyelid uh, triggered that. And so they'd use the same hook on everybody to pull your eyelid back, and they were just passing Spread that it. disease along to the next <laughs> one. And and furthermore, nobody was allowed to uh, uh, to go on to welfare. You had to have a way to sustain yourself. And if you limped going across the Great Hall of Ellis at Ellis Island, they sent you back to your home country. Um, they, they the people that had enough money, they got docked down there a little ways, and they all had enough money to get into America. Not many of them. But the ones that came on steerage, like my grandmother, they were all inspected, and they were physically going to be sound. They were mentally going to be sound. They were not going to have any health defects, or they just shipped them back to the country. And here we are, uh, open borders on everything, and not to mention fentanyl and 110,000 dead Americans a year because of that. Well, you know, gentlemen, yeah, that's, what, that's what they call progress. Progressively we're, we're making worse. A lot of, yeah, go ahead. We also have a lot of diseases that we never had, including leprosy is coming back. This is alarming. There's no check in that. And I have to ask you, Steve, of those 12 million people that came across, how many beat up a cop and then gave a finger to the, to the United States? Yeah, I would say, uh, well, if it's the 12 million that came through um, during the Ellis Island period of time, pretty close to none. I'd say virtually Zero. none. I on agree. the other side of this thing, those that came under Biden, that would be virtually as many of them that had the whim. <laughs> And, right. and, you know, the welcome wagon that came out. And, the, and by the way, the liberals meet them at the border. You're down there. You know this. And they take them aside and they say, you don't have to learn our language. You don't have to absorb yourself into the American culture and civilization. You don't have to give up your culture. You can be yourself. You can replicate your country here in the United States, and we'll pay you for it. That's what's going on. And, yeah, and fact, uh, for they're, me, they're... it's driven both of us crazy for a long time. Well, back and if you, you have a problem knows. with that, you're anything but a child of God. <laughs> hey, very, very quickly, uh, 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 Congressman Stockman, uh, Congressman King is about to uh, skip out and go do, not that he's shirking his duties in any way, but he does have to go <laughs> do another interview. Uh, Steve uh, King, I wanted to give you the final word, and it's great to have the reunion between the two Steves tonight. <laughs> well, in the first place, I had an honor and privilege of serving with Steve Stockman in Congress, and you got beat up like I got beat up, and uh, the establishment lined up against you in the same way they lined up against me. Um, we stood our, stood the ground, especially on the border issues, but every conservative issue that needed to have a defense, you were always there for that. And uh, I hold you in great respect and reverence as a friend. And one of the one of the most fun things I saw any member of Congress ever do uh, when you're apparently on the outs with the Speaker of the House, you brought Ted Nugent in to be your guest at the State <laughs> of the Union address. And I will never forget that, looking up there at that crowd, and there's Ted Nugent. Great move, Steve Stockman, and I'm glad you're back in good health. You sound like they fixed all the things that might have been wrong with your kicker, and I hope they kept their hands off your brain. <laughs> well, Steve, I have to tell you this. Uh, you know, I always thought in my wife's eyes I was the number one congressman, but she came home after meeting you, and she goes, he is awesome. And she just told me to tell you she loves you to death, and she misses you. Well, I love her back, and hopefully we can get connected one of these days. We can't let the years go by and not get that to happen, Steve. And, um, Amen. Meanwhile, I'm glad that you're in the place you are in life and in the health situation I think you're now in. And then pass my greetings along to your wife. And uh, But I was, I'll say 
Why don't you just hold back? Don't give her that hug for me. Keep I'm gonna keep that back so I can give it to her when I see her. There you go. All right. <laughs> I'm to check out now. So All right. Thanks. thanks Thank you. Shaking the hand of Steve King, as we'll keep Steve Stockman on with us for the final uh, uh, segment, uh, final 15 minutes of this uh, hour. And uh, thank you, Steve. And uh, uh, Steve Stockman, back to you. So uh, here we are, uh, and, and I think that that was a pretty prescient analysis about uh, them wanting to keep this from being the signature issue of this elec- election because it's a, a, a an issue that so favors Trump. Uh, but uh, this is just one of several dominoes to fall already. We've been anticipating 2024 for months now because you knew it was going to be just an unprecedented year with the Trump trials, everything going on with that already unprecedented, uh, already some unrest in Yemen situation in, in Texas. You've got more courtroom farces uh, with the E. Jean Carroll verdict in Trump. I mean, the Supreme Court uh, failing us here on the border issue. Uh, unrest in Jordan. Let's see how quickly, uh, if and when, that uh, escalates to a wider regional war, perhaps with Iran. A lot of stuff going on. You're right. They want to keep immigration off. Uh, we'll see if the Repu- what can the Republicans do, though, to make sure that it stays an issue? Well, I think they need they I agree with Steve. And I, I, they're fearful of shutting the government down. But it, it, so many, even on the Democrat, on the polling on Democrats, they don't like the illegal immigration either. You have African-Americans. They're furious that their jobs and, and programs are being taken over by illegal immigrants. You got veterans being kicked out of their own hospitals and veterans being kicked out of homes. And they're all, and they just now issued new credit cards for a thousand dollars a month plus all expenses at hotels. You, if you shut the government down for this, it draw attention to it. I, I just don't understand the people's logic. It's pretty clear. He's focusing on the black vote and the women's vote, and for, so he's got two issues. And immigration, if you actually made it an issue which was, you know, on the forefront burner, you really could. Uh, make up for a lot of what uh, what the Democrats are doing. Uh, it really angers a lot of people all across all demographics of this country. Uh, that's interesting, and it's it's also true. And so, where do you? All right. So Biden just what lets this lie? If he's not going to press, well, it, he's he, not going to nationalize the guards. No, he's not. He's not going to lie. He's just going to ship them through a different state. He's not. There's no value in confronting. I believe, and I could be wrong, but there's no value in confronting the uh, governor. They just shipped, like I said, they shipped over. I don't know why New Mexico wasn't mentioned, but I read in a a a briefing that uh, now California and Arizona have gotten all the ones that were coming to Texas, the uh, the drug cartels, or now I guess it should be called the smuggling cartels have shifted all their focus now over to Arizona and Texas, and their numbers have dramatically increased equally by the number of ones that decreased in Texas. So your immigration problem hadn't been solved. It's just like running water where there's the least resistance. That's where they're going to go. I see. So it's been redirected. The flow has been redirected. Uh, They have put – they have plugged uh, the dam in Texas, at least to an extent. And you know, certainly right. it's not immigration at net zero, but uh, it has been rerouted to, to these other border states. But at the same time, when I say letting it lie, I mean, he's certainly taking a public loss here, at least in in terms of uh, perception. <coughs> well, not, not, a, not uh, a even thing. if. Go ahead. Well, you think about this. The day he starts the wars, like the day on a primary, he waited to bomb. 
He warned the he warned the Iranians that he's going to bomb a certain day. The Iranians moved out all their assets. He told them where he's going to bomb. So they moved out all the valuable stuff. They moved out the people and all that. And then he dropped the bombs on. This is insane. And he does it on primary day. People forget South Carolina, Democrat Party in South Carolina is primarily made up of African-Americans, and it counts for like two-thirds of the part, almost two-thirds of the party. So if you shift that to be the first primary of the Democrat Party, you're pretty much excluding uh, their former base of the Democrat Party, which was for a long time uh, working class white. So it's interesting that they're doing that. And it's also interesting that no one's commenting on that. It's pretty amazing. They're talking about ending democracy. They're ending it right in front of our eyes and all the cheating they're doing and lying about the laptop and all that and the judges being crooked and Jack Smith, who went after me, and now after Trump. They're ending democracy right in front of your eyes. It's amazing that we don't have an uprising already. Well, I, you know, it's been the uh, we've we've been the frog in the proverbial boiling pot for so many decades now. Uh, it, this is going to be the one that gets us riled up. This is the one where the people are going to fight back. And then you know, wait, 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 wait. There was actually an article in the New York Times. I believe it was the New York Times, Washington Post. I mean, they're interchangeable. It's one of the two biggies. Uh, this was last fall, saying that you have to defend democracy by canceling elections because the, you know at that it was that when Trump first came out with his leads in the polls. Uh, so I, I tell or you what, I mean, you just off the ballot. I mean, they took right? the Democrats off the ballot and they refused. Here's a guy whose whose father was murdered, who's running for president, and had people already breaking into his house. And they're refusing to give Kennedy any kind of protection. That that would have been unheard of. That should have been a huge outcry of Democrats, and they didn't say a word. It's unbelievable. Yep, that's absolutely right. And all of that's in play. And I'm I'm looking at the calendar. I'm looking at the, the monitor here. February the 3rd, as we broadcast live, we're just a month into this year, and it's really going to kick up in the summer. I mean, the closer we get to the election, there's just no telling what kind of false flags, what kind of events they'll have planned, what's going to come out naturally and uh, manufactured. Uh, will there be more riots, another pandemic? Who knows? It's all on the table. And this this thing, though, with the border, though, was, I mean, of course, a, the crisis has been so longstanding there. But at the same time, to me, it, it comes as, as sort of a, a favorable reprieve to see Governor Abbott uh, and uh, all of these other, it really, I think, wasn't it every other Republican governor in the country, say, Ver, was it Vermont, I believe, uh, that have shown support. And uh, But if push comes to shove, Steve, if push came to shove, if Biden did federalize, I, I think you, you don't think that he will. And maybe he won't. I thought he would have done it by now. Do you really think that they would allow this to go beyond rhetoric? I mean, that's just hard to see. No, I, I, I don't. That's why I said I don't think you got to realize this is uh, this guy is a political hack. He's been doing it for 50, over 50 years and he knows the value of, of uh, dramatics and stuff. It's like he just first went for the first time. He's gone to Pennsylvania over that spill and he did it right before the primary. And it's just it's it, it, everything's driven in his life by politics and it has no moral basis. And, the, and he's corrupt, so what drives him is winning and getting power in order to get more money and things like that. It, it's not because of his love of his country. If he loved his country, he wouldn't be doing what he's doing. He, he does not love his country. You can't, you can't say 
you want to fundamentally change something or some country and then turn around and say you love it. You, you don't say to your wife, well, I love you, honey, but I want to fundamentally change you. She'd be asking, well, why are you marrying me? <laughs> That's a good analogy. That's a fantastic analogy. Of course, I don't think, I, look, I mean, this is me talking. But I, I don't know how much agency Biden has at all, uh, mentally, uh, spiritually, physically. I, he does what he's told to the extent that he can do anything, I think. But uh, I, I just don't know uh, what's going on uh, upstairs with that guy. But, I mean, to say that he's a career politician who's uh, flown, uh, drifted with the current and the prevailing tide on any issue uh, at its time, going back so many decades now, as you mentioned, is, uh, you know, obviously what, he, what he's done and what he'll continue to do uh, if, if – until God calls him home or wherever he's going to go. But uh, all right. So, again, you're you're the Republicans. It looks like you've motivated you've motivated your base with this. You've given them some red meat. You've given them a win for the moment. Again, I think you've got to double down. I think this is a big time winning issue for the Republicans. Uh, how do you do that? How can you do that? Let's see. The, the other border states, uh, they're going to have Democratic governors down there, New Mexico and Arizona, well, California. They, like I- yeah, but like I said, I think they need to shut the government down for this issue. You, you're going to have a dramatic thing. You'll have everybody calling and attacking you. But privately, there'll be a lot of people that will be supporting you for cutting down. And you, ju- you just need to harp on it. The problem is Republicans don't understand a, the, the purpose of focus. You got la- light is a, it can be turned into a laser if you concentrate it. And if you concentrate the message and don't dilute it with all kinds of stuff, you can get the message through the American people, and immigration is the issue to do it with. And, and you can hear the pain on NPR whenever that issue, they have to report it. <laughs> you know, <laughs> they just they hate reporting on it, you know, but they're forced to. Just like they hated reporting on Trump when he was running with, and now they finally got to report on Biden's victory in South Carolina as if it was, you know, uh, any kind of a question whether he's going to win or not, you know. It, 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 but well, let's answer, go ahead. No, you go ahead. You go ahead, please. No, to answer your question, I want them to shut the government down. And by the way, I was there when, when we had the government in 2013 that Steve Key was referring to. And I, I don't know if, his, if he recalls it, but I stood up in the conference and I said, we don't, I said, I've been, this is the second shutdown. I said, I've been through one in the 90s and now. And I said, I just don't recall ever losing any seats. And, and he's right. The speaker wasn't happy. I said that, but it was true. We did fine. In fact, people loved it. And, and Reagan shut the government down many times for principles. And uh, it only made Reagan popular. When Reagan fired the uh, the people that were, what do you call them, the, the airplane, that oh, the, the guys that land the planes, what do you call it? What is it? Air controllers. Yeah, traffic controllers. When he fired them, the, the yeah, American public, yeah, right. They loved it. They, they, they at first, you know, they're, he was getting heavily criticized by the press, but the polling showed that they, they liked Reagan standing up. And that's why people like Trump, because he stands up. He's not like a Mitt Romney. He's constantly whining. <laughs> if somebody was mentioning that before, is like for the last few election cycles before, uh, the last couple of election cycles, anyway, before Trump, it was you know what were the difference uh, between the candidates? But the uh, 
You, you mentioned NPR and the Democrats not liking to talk about immigration. Uh, I, I, I think that you're right about that because, I mean, what could their position be and how much fervor is there uh, in their base to defend the idea that we shouldn't have a national border? I just don't think that's a winning issue for them. Now, the Democratic women get hot and bothered about abortion because they want to murder their babies. And so that's an issue that can motivate them. I don't see the issue of immigration motivating the Democrats to get out and vote as it would yeah. our side. And, yeah, but you understand our other issues could motivate them to get out to vote. I don't know. You, if you if you if you message this thing right, we have a problem in the Republican Party, which I brought up numerous times, and our conference is terrible messaging. I said Republicans, Democrats will show a granny being rolled off the edge of a cliff and saying Republicans are trying to take her Social Security away and kill her. None of that's true, but the commercial <laughs> and the video is you know impactful. And Republicans will respond to that ad of coming out with a calculator going, oh, no, her annualized premiums over five years shows, you know, I mean, we, we respond with just numbers, and which is fine. But women in particular uh, are not driven by that, driven by, you know, more by, as anybody that's married knows, it's driven more by emotion a lot of times than it is uh, logic. And, and I'm not saying women aren't logical. I'm just saying a lot of times the message there needs to be more, personal and not so much as uh, you know as a statistician well i'll tell you what if if we had you and the other steve still in congress what would you be doing right now well we'd probably be hanging out it's a saturday <laughs> no, I, I, I tell you what steve was just an amazing guy and when you're taking bullets like he did like i did it's always nice to find someone that's in your corner, and I was in his corner, he was in my corner. And um, it's really, because, I mean, so often you're in the, you know, you're in the in the foxhole, and the Republicans are also taking shots at you while you're in the foxhole. So it's nice that someone's with you behind your back that's supporting you, you don't got to worry. I actually traveled with Steve, I think, to Japan and some other places, and he's really knowledgeable and very smart guy. And the New York Times, I don't know why I did the interview with him. I tease him all the time. I, I got invited to interview with the New York Times, the Daily Show, a bunch of different. I just told him, no, I'm not going to give the fodder to the left. But Steve chose to do that. And the New York Times just was disingenuous and liars and uh, were successful in distorting oh, who yes. he is. It was horrible. Well, I got to say, I wish both of you were still in Congress, but I thank God y'all were both uh, here on the radio program with me tonight. You did the Lord's work. You did your duty. And uh, you're still fighting. You don't have to be in Washington to fight. And y'all are setting an example. And again, uh, it would have been nice to have you there uh, for this fight, uh, this current fight. Uh, I know y'all would have landed on the right side of things. Uh, but again, uh, a real honor to have you both on the radio tonight. Where were you reaching people you might not have otherwise uh, been reaching there? So, uh God bless you, Steve, and uh, glad, as as uh, our other Steve said, uh, glad that you're uh, in good health and uh, all things going well. We've got a lot to do and a lot to accomplish this year, and I'll look forward to staying in touch with you. I know you've got a lot of ideas on that front. Uh, let's continue to collaborate and work together. Had a lot of fun. Amen, Amen and God bless you. It was great being here. Thanks so much. God bless you. Congressman Steve Stockman, everyone. There he goes down in Texas. He's on the front line of this thing down there and calling with a bird's eye view from the scene. Steve King with us earlier. We, uh, Steve King and I are at an event in Orlando, Florida tonight. We'll both be speaking at it tomorrow. Live broadcast from the event right now. 
And uh, you hear a little bit of that background noise, send me a text or an email. Uh, carrier pigeon smoke signal if it uh, becomes overwhelming in the background, and we'll try to move. We're getting rerouted here, a couple of different <laughs> podcast locations already. But we're having a good time, and we're going to be joined uh, via telephone by Peter Brimelow of VDare.com. Next, stay tuned. The hits keep coming. It's an all-star lineup tonight. <laughs> 